more than he was earning, accumulating debt, and he just had, he had no idea how much he was accumulating. And after he finished university, he was astonished at how, how much debt he had accumulated, and he astonished at, uh, at how much he spent on, on wants and desires as opposed to need. And uh, by the way, I find that men and women basically are the same. They can both accumulate debt. It's not unique to one sex over the other. Their weaknesses are areas of uh, preferred spending, maybe somewhat different, but generally speaking, most uh, uh, men and women have, have struggles with uh, spending too much money and, and accumulating, accumulating debt. God admonishes us to have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. How can we accomplish that in a practical fashion? We need to do the essentials of budgeting. First, track your expenses so you know where your money's going. That can be done on form number six of the Copeland Budgeting System, which can be downloaded for free from copelandfinancialministries.org. It's XL-based. It's free. There's also a 30-minute video on the website on how to use it. You've got to track your expenses. And I can say this, once you start tracking, you're probably going to spend less because you become more conscious of where your money's going. And again, the objective is spend less than you earn and have a surplus to pay down debt. Managing your monthly cash flow is so important. It's like a foundation of the building. If you don't get that right going forward, you're, if you don't manage your monthly cash flow well, you're never going to save for future needs. You're never going to pay down debt. You're always going to end up uh, bouncing on empty in terms of your bank account, and, and you don't want that. And a proper budgeting system uh, will provide you with the financial facts you need to make wise decisions. Only a small percentage of people develop and implement a budget of some kind. Uh, most are operating based on their personal desires or guesswork and that's extremely dangerous and usually ends up in a lot of trouble. In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it. Everyone who sees it will ridicule him. Say this fellow began to build was not able to finish. You, of course, probably are not planning to build a tower, but if you're a young person, um, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age, 19, whatever, you may want to attend um, uni university or college. Um, so why not save for it? Christ is saying, if you don't plan ahead, you're foolish. Um, you may be, um, have finished university, and maybe what you want to do or need to do is pay off your debts from university. Maybe you've already accumulated them without knowing God's word on finances. You may want to pay them out pay your debts off. You may be a young person or a young couple who wants to save for a house. Christ is saying, won't you first, uh, you need to count the cost. Sit down and estimate the cost to see how much it's going to require if you want to buy a house. What are you going to need for a down payment? Have a plan to set that, save that money over, over a period of time. So, and, and Christ uh, was saying, if, if you don't plan ahead, you're foolish. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Bottom line, a, a budget is a tool. If it's used properly, it'll be effective in, in planning your finances. So here's my first case study. A young person saving for their education. And uh, the name Rebecca has just been selected at random, like all my case studies. However, I've seen this kind of uh, situation hundreds of times over the last four-plus decades. And so here's this particular common real-life case study. When Rebecca was 14 years of age, her parents explained that they will not be able to pay anything for her post-secondary education as their income was very modest. Upon hearing this, initially Rebecca was quite disappointed, but rather than getting upset at her parents, she prayed and asked God for his wisdom and his specific direction. God prompted Rebecca to study his word on finances. One key scripture that God highlighted was Proverbs 21:20, which says, the wise man or woman saves for the future but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. 
As she continued to study God's word with respect to finances, she learned that God instructs us to plan ahead. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Rebecca checked the website of several universities. She prepared a budget of the projected costs for tuition fees, books, etc. for four years at university. It was a lot of money, so she had to get started saving right away. Rebecca obtained a part-time job, worked as many hours as she could without neglecting her homework from school, and she saved as much as she could for university. Even though financing was available through student loans, student lines of credit, credit cards, as she studied God's word on finances, she learned that God discourages debt, Proverbs 22, 7, and that God admonishes us to plan and save for future needs, Luke 14, 28 to 30. By the time Rebecca started her first year at university, she had sufficient funds saved for tuition fees and books for the first year. She purposely attended a university in her city so she could live at home with her parents and not incur any accommodation costs. During her four years at university, Rebecca continued to work part-time during the school year, and in the summer she worked full-time, and then some, in order to save as much as possible. Rebecca was able to complete university with no debt, and she was currently able to obtain a good full-time job. Rebecca continues to spend wisely and save as much as practical so that she and her future husband will have a good down payment to buy a house shortly after they get married. Rebecca is praying and asking God to provide her with a godly husband who manages money according to biblical principles. So here's the first question. What biblical principles did Rebecca follow? And please provide a reference to scripture for each point. Think about that a minute. What biblical principles did she follow? And can you provide a reference to scripture for each, each biblical principle that she followed? Here's what I had. First and foremost, Rebecca prayed and asked God for his wisdom, James 1.5, and his specific direction, Psalms 32.8. Secondly, Rebecca studied God's word on finances. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And as a result, God directed her through his word. This is a powerful scripture. God has promised as you read his word, he's going to direct you. Number three, Rebecca counted the cost of university as Christ uh, admonished us to do in the parable of the tower, Luke chapter 14. Number four, Rebecca worked diligently in order to save for future needs, specifically tuition and the books. Uh, she worked diligently, full-time in the summer and then time. Then some, like she worked, she had a full-time job in the summer and a part-time job in the summer. And then she had a full-time job during the school year. And so she worked diligently at it, and she saved her money. And she didn't do what a lot of young people do, go out and spend it on eating out, entertainment, etc., uh, designer clothes. She, she, she saved a lot of her money. How common do you think Rebecca's management of money is for a young person? What do you think about that? How common is that? I can tell you that this, Rebecca's management of money is extremely rare for a young person. Actually, it's extremely rare for an older person. Most people today spend all their regular income and then some, and they generally run up debt on credit cards and accumulate debt. By far the majority of young people uh, do not save for their uh, future um, university or college costs. Uh, rather, they just take out student loans, student lines of credit, they use credit cards quite freely, and they end up with a pile of debt after they finish post-secondary. So I, I can tell you, statistics show that this is what's happening uh, throughout our country and and around the world. Rebecca's management of money is rare, but it's biblical, and there's tremendous long-term benefits into managing money God's way. So here's the second case study, and in this case study, Rebecca meets and marries a godly man. 
So Rebecca from the previous uh, case study meets a godly man named Joshua and they get engaged. Before getting married, they disclose their debts to each other. Now in this case, there happen to be no debts, but I, I encourage couples always to disclose their debts before they get married because if you don't, uh, the couple, the, the spouse with the lesser debt or no debt is going to feel cheated um, and deceived, so you need to disclose your debts. In addition, uh, they disclosed their assets to each other. They both had some funds saved, but they didn't have a lot, but they did have some. So they basically disclosed their finances. Together, they developed a budget for their wedding costs, honeymoon, and their first three years of marriage. They projected his income and her income for the first three years and determined that they uh, should be able to meet all the expenses and have a surplus saved for a good down payment on a home within, within about three years. Although they had challenges like most people do, for example, Rebecca was out of work for about three months. Rebecca and Joshua did indeed follow God's financial plan for their life. And uh, even though they aimed for three years, after three and a half years of marriage, they were able to purchase a house with a significant down payment. Next, they developed a new budget, which included all of the projected housing costs, mortgage payment, utilities, property taxes, repairs, and maintenance. Um, further, they, they purposely lived on Joshua's salary only, and they saved most of Rebecca's salary. This enabled them to develop six months' worth of savings as a cushion, and they enabled them to start paying their mortgage down faster. Both Rebecca and Joshua developed a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and whenever they faced a major financial decision where there was more than one option within the biblical guidelines, they were able to discern, they prayed, and God directed them through His Word, His Spirit, etc., and they were able to discern exactly what God wanted them to do. And after five years into the marriage, they had a baby, and since they had managed money God's way, and had been living on Joshua's salary only, there were no problems with Rebecca staying at home with their, their new baby and earning no income, no problems with it whatsoever. Most uh, individuals and couples, they become a servant to lender because they've accumulated debt. They, uh, the wife has to continue to work full-time in order to service their debts, but that was not the case for Rebecca and Joshua. Continuing on with the case study, shortly after their child was born, they started to put money into their child's registered education savings plan, and they continued to pay down their mortgage, and they started to put some money in their retirement plan, their retirement savings plan. Again, most young people don't do this, but they just started small amounts, but uh, do a small amount, a little at a time over a long period of time, and it, it adds up. Unlike most couples, uh, Rebecca and Joshua set aside from their monthly income into a savings account sufficient funds to cover their non-monthly expenses. And we're going to go through form number three of the Copeland budgeting system in a few minutes. And that includes savings for another automobile. By doing this, they avoided having any automobile loans. Just a, a side comment here. Most people today don't do that. Most people um, spend all their regular income. They don't save for an automobile. With their automobile wears out, they're forced to take on an automobile loan and then they pay that off over five years or maybe seven years, some of the loans are now, and they have an automobile loan all their, all their life. And that's, that's not a good thing to do. If you save for your next automobile, you can avoid that. Rebecca and Joshua are continuing to pay down their mortgage, and they project they should be totally debt-free within about 10 years. They praise God regularly for His wisdom and His direction, and the fact that they have God's peace in the area of finances. A copy of their entire budget is on Forms 1 to 7. I'm going to go through that in a minute. It's used the Copeland Budgeting System as the template. And as indicated, they've accounted for and are saving for all future anticipated expenses, including automobile replacement, children's education, and even retirement. And they're also saving for the non-monthly expenses as well. As well, Rebecca and Joshua have accumulated savings of six months' worth of expenses just in case there's an unanticipated 
major problem. It could be um, Joshua could be out of work, a major roof repair, dental bills, etc. You never know what could happen. So they have some savings, which, which most people don't. So here's the first question. What are Rebecca and Joshua doing that is consistent with God's Word? And please provide a reference to Scripture. So what are they doing that's consistent with the Word and provide a reference to Scripture? Here's what I had. They've learned and implemented God's Word on finances, Joshua 1.8. They've developed and implemented a budget, Luke 14.28-30. They have savings for unexpected expenditures and emergency, um, Proverbs 21.20. Very few people have any significant savings today. They have some savings. They prayed and asked God for His wisdom and His direction um, before they made a major financial decision, and they followed up. As it says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. They followed up. Five, they have used relatively little debt, and they are making debt reduction a priority. Proverbs 22.7. They understand that they are stewards of God's money and are therefore managing money God's way. In Haggai 2.8, it says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. In Psalms 24, 1 and 2, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In other words, they acknowledged they were stewards of the money and material things that God entrusted to them. So they were managing money according to biblical financial principles. The next point, number seven, they're saving for future needs, Proverbs 21, 20. And you'll see they're saving for all the future needs, automobile replacement, kids' education, non-monthly expenses. And number eight, they praise God for his wisdom and his blessings, as it talks about in Psalms chapter 150. So they praise God for his wisdom and direction that he's given them through his word and through, through his spirit. So I'm going to go over the, uh, I'm going to demonstrate their budget to you as, as a married couple um, presently. I'm going to go over the Copeland budgeting system. Here's a quick overview of the seven forms and then I'll get into the details for Rebecca and Joshua. Form number one is assets and liabilities, which is where you simply just list out the assets and the liabilities you have. You need to face the facts. List down all your liabilities. Number two, revenues for a typical month. That's the after-tax net income. Number three, non-monthly expense planning. When we get in and you'll see it's very important. Most people do not plan for their non-monthly expenses, and it's so important that you do that because if, when that non-monthly expense comes up, whatever it may be, it could be an annual insurance premium on your car. If you don't save for it, you're going to be forced into debt. Savings account allocations. Uh, once you, you need to set aside funds every month to save for um, those non-monthly expenses. And, to sa and form, number five, form number four of the Copeland Budgeting System can help you uh, do that and account for the, the savings. Form number five is the estimated monthly budget. It's a key, bud key form that shows the uh, approximate expenses uh, for a typical month and the uh, the income for a typical month and lets you know whether in a, in a typical month if you're going to have a deficit or a surplus. Form number six is where you track your actual expenses and your actual revenues that come in and uh, doing that is so important uh, in, in knowing where your money's going. Uh, I, again, I say you, you'll, you'll probably spend less. And form number seven is a budget analysis. It's produced automatically by the Excel-based Copeland budgeting system uh, where it compares the actual expenses to the estimated uh, budget. And I'm now going to just demonstrate the Copeland budgeting system on, on Excel. Okay, so form number one, you list out your assets and liabilities. Um, the very first line you can see here, they have uh, $5,000 in their, their checking account. Uh, they have some investments, uh, probably um, if they're in Canada, a tax-free savings account or just a regular savings account, $25,000. So you can see $30,000. They got enough for about six months worth of expenses, which is a good rule of thumb. Uh, I've helped a lot of people develop and have a cushion of cash like that to fall back on. 
No one's ever re regretted it, and it is biblical because you never know what's going to happen in the future. There's going to be some tough times, some unexpected expenditure, or maybe uh, this Joshua could be out of work. We never know. Real estate, uh, the fair market value of their real estate where they live, is a, their home is about $300,000. They have started their retirement savings plan. Uh, they have about $10,000 each in the retirement savings plan. And so you can see they, um, they also started a registered education savings plan for their child. And um, you can see they've put some money aside for that, $5,000. They're going to continue to do that. And, of course, the government contributes 20% that you put in each year. And that, that goes a long ways to help saving for us. See, they're going, to, they're going to actually help their child save for their education. When most parents don't, they're going to help their child save their, ed their education. And a wise thing I'd recommend they do is also once their child starts earning some income at maybe age 12, uh, babysitting or 14 or whatever, that they should start putting aside part of their, in their income from the child into the um, retirement savings plan. Under the liabilities, it's really critical that you list everything. Now, in this situation, they don't have any credit card debt. They don't have any personal loans uh, from their parents or other relatives. Um, they don't have any other debts, such as a personal line of credit or whatever. But I do encourage you, you know, most people, when we sit down with them, they have a lot of debt. List out all your liabilities. Face your financial facts. Don't try to uh, hide it. Disclose it to each other if you're, if you're married or you plan to get married. And list it all out. You need to face the, the truth. In John 8, 32, Jesus said to his disciples, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth can set you free in the sense you know what your financial facts are and then you can deal with it. If you don't know the truth, it makes it much harder to deal with it. They do have a mortgage of about $150,000 and you can see on an equity basis, on a net basis, they have about $205,000 of, of assets. Their house has gone up in value since, since they bought it and they praise the Lord for that. So that's form number one and form number two is quite simple. You basically just show the salary and wages. Um, in this case, we're just showing the husband. He's making about $5,500 per month on an after-tax basis. Rebecca was earning an income before they had the baby, but now she has no income. So this is a picture of their budget now that she's a stay-at-home mom. They have no significant, I didn't put any amount in, they probably have a little bit of investment income from their savings account, but it's not a lot of money. And they have no other significant miscellaneous income. So they have income of about $5,500 per month. And you'll see that shows up on form number five of the Copeland Budgeting System. Form number three is the next form. It's for the non-monthly expense planning, and it's really important. Um, house maintenance. Now, you may say, I don't know what my house maintenance is going to be, but I encourage you to set aside something. So let's say last year or the year before, you see the average over the years has been $1,200 a year. Um, divide that by 12, that means you should set aside $100 a month in a savings account so you have some money in case uh, you have some house repairs. Property taxes. If property taxes are being paid monthly along with your mortgage, you don't have to set anything aside, but for many people, they're paid quarterly. So let's say their property taxes for the next year is projected at $3,000. Divided by 12, they should set aside $250 a month. House insurance, the same thing, $600 a year, $50 a month. You just divide it by 12, and if you put it into Form 3 of the Copeland Budgeting System, the calculations are done automatically. Automobile replacement. Uh, they estimate that in five years they're going to have to replace their automobile. They're going to get a good used automobile for about $15,000. You divide that by 60, you get $250 a month. Auto repairs and maintenance. Now you may say, I don't know what it's going to cost for an automobile uh, repairs, but you need to set something aside. I'm suggesting, in this case, about $1,800 a year, $150 a month. 
And uh, you don't know what your repairs are going to be, but if you set some money aside, at least you have something. Almost everyone has a large unexpected auto repair at, at different times. I've certainly had them. I'm sure you have as well. If you don't set aside any money, you're not going to have any, any funds, even if you can't estimate it perfectly. Auto insurance, it's $1,560. It occurs once a year, so they need to set aside $130 per month. Vacation, um, they plan to take a vacation next year. They expect it's going to cost about $1,200. They're going to set aside $100 a month. Uh, most people don't do that, so what happens? The vacation goes on the credit cards. Healthcare, uh, they expect they could have healthcare costs of $1,200 a year that's above and beyond the benefits package that the husband has, so they should set aside $100 a month for that. Christmas gifts and other gifts, etc. $1,200 a year, that's $100 a month. And the other expense, miscellaneous other, um, they're allowing $2,400 a year, which is $200 a month, so they're factoring that into their, their budget as well. So you can see with form number three, they got a total of $1,430 that they need to set aside each month for non-monthly expenses. Most people don't do that, so when these expenses come up, they're forced into debt. Form number four, very simply, is the savings account allocation. When they allocate, um, Joshua's paid twice a month, he's got $1,430. Um, each month he needs to set aside so divided by two that's $715 a month. You can see we've actually allocated that amount across um, the top here and, and these amounts here like the $50 for house maintenance, $125 for property taxes, that's basically coming from form number three as part of the, uh, part of the formula. It's taking basically half of these amounts on form number three and it's, and it's bringing it across into form number four. What form number four does Conceptually, just understand this. When you set aside funds for a future non-monthly expense, it allows you to keep track of, that non of those funds that have been set aside in your savings account. So, for example, in this situation at hand, this couple after the first month, they set aside $630. They, they, a lot of times people, when they look at their savings account, they say, well, can we afford that new big screen TV for $1,000? Well, if they have the money in the savings account, they say, sure we can, but in fact, most of their savings account balance is accounted for for non-monthly expenses. So this is a way to, to keep track of that. Now, if you want to learn more about these details, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. There's a 30-minute video that explains it in more detail. I'd like to now go to form number five. This is for um, Joshua and Rebecca. Um, you can see they're, they're tithing. They're giving 10% of the Lord's work. It's a guideline, not a legalism. Their mortgage is about $1,242 a month. They've accounted for that. And if they continue, they're going to be debt-free in about 10 years. And you can see they got all their utility amounts in there, the averages amounts for gas, electricity, water, telephone, maintenance, they're all there, insurance. Uh, so the total housing cost is 2,092. They spend about $500 a month on, on food. And you can see the automobile costs, they're all there. Um, and the replacement is picked up, by the way, from form number three, because remember we took $15,000 divided by 60 months. So they're, they're factoring this into the uh, monthly budget. And by the way, when you put figures in form number three, they automatically go onto Form 4 and they automatically go onto Form Number 5. So um, they have no debts to pay, praise God. Eating out, they don't spend a lot on eating out, $50 a month vacation. Again, that came from Form Number 3. They're setting aside $100 a month. Clothing, they're, they're estimating $100 a month. Their investments through their RSP and their RESP, they're estimating at $640 a month. That's what they're setting aside. And you go through all these expenses. The good news, their total expenses is $5,000. Uh, $412. Their actual revenues is $5,500. You can see they have a little surplus of $88 a month, and praise God, they're covering everything. They're even saving for another automobile. They're saving for non-monthly expenses. They're saving for retirement. They're saving for their kids' education. This is what a, a, an ideal bud budget should look like. 
Form number six is where they simply track their expenses. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but you simply keep track of where you're spending your money on form number six. Um, the donations, the house expense, uh, the food expense, as you spend money, whether, whether it be on a credit card or in a checking account, just put the amounts in here and it'll keep track of your expenses. And the neat thing about form number six on the Copeland budgeting system here, it automatically adds it all up so you can see house expenses 2042. And if you go to form number seven, uh, it shows a budget analysis. It's a comparison of the present budget with the actual expense. And you can see the, the present budget is picked up from form number five. The actual expense is picked up from form number six. And it compares the two and it shows you where you're over and under budget. This form is produced automatically. and shows overall that they, this couple are under budget. They're managing their money very well and um, they, they have a surplus. And so they're, they're doing things God's way is what they're doing. So if you want to learn more, go to copelandfinancialministries.org. You can download a free copy of the Copeland Budgeting System. Uh, there's a 30-minute video that you can watch that's uh, absolutely free. And, um, and I just encourage you to follow up and develop and implement a budget so that you can avoid all the financial problems that so many people encounter. I just pray that God will give you His wisdom and His direction. If you would like to learn more about God's Word on finances, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org.